Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go to New York City. New York City. New York City. We are doing the 1959 movie Imitation of Life. <laughs> In my head, I keep calling it the imitate the, the intimidation game. <laughs> Cause I'm like, and then I laugh because I'm like, <laughs> I think that's a little on the nose. On the nose. This one uh, is starring Lana Turner and uh, Sandra D. When she, uh, her daughter, when she gets older, John Gavin, and a bit part by Troy Donahue, whom I was in love with back in the day. But man, he was not a good actor. Oh, John Gavin. Hitchcock referred to John Gavin as the stiff. I like John Gavin, but the Troy Donahue part. What's the Troy Donahue part? We'll get to it. Oh, okay. It also had Mahalia Jackson singing a a spiritual. Indeed. Yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. Oh, and Juanita Moore. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, <and>, yeah. <laughs> and Juanita Moore, I, I, I apologize. So are you going to give us the particulars? Oh, okay. So this is directed by Douglas Sirk. Um, he also directed Final Accord, A Time to Love, and A Time to Die. He was known... Um, for these like f- these 50 melodramas and stuff. And at the time, people didn't like them. But then there was that movie with Julianne Moore not too long ago called like Far Away From Heaven. And that director, Todd Hayes, he likes to do a lot of those these kind of sweeping melodramas lately. And so people were like, oh, he's actually pretty good. Hmm. It was written by Eleanor Griffin and Alan Scott based off the novel from 1933 of the same name by Fanny Hurst. Correct. It's a universal film. It's uh, the opening credits are black background with diamonds falling. Darling. I mean, I mean, yeah. Very, very melodramatic strings. And the song Imitation of Life is being sung. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Don't know who sang it. So we start out on the beach. Mom, I I have never seen so many white people in one frame of a movie in my entire life. (laughs) I I just looked, I was like, so many white people. But you have been to the beach. The beach is nothing but white people. I know. But well, no, when we but first wait, used to wait. go to the beach. Yeah, I'm at the beach, though. And, and now bocce. you see a lot more people of color at the beach. Yeah. Well, we didn't back in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and I was when we went to the beach, I wasn't the only. Like, I had a family with me. Yeah. This was me watching, going like, oh, my. And the beach... I guess it just seemed way more crowded. Like even though the beach at Bethany Beach would get super crowded, this just seemed because it's the boardwalk. It was just bodies upon bodies. Like it's so New York what, City crowded. 
Yeah, what beach were they at? Was that Coney That's Island? Coney Island. Okay. Okay. Because I was, I didn't know this was New York City at first. I thought we were, you know, at Santa Monica or something, <laughs> which is probably where they filmed it. Probably. Okay. And we're at the boardwalk. And there is this blonde woman who has lost her daughter, Susie, and she is running all over calling Susie's name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Susie's gone. <laughs> all these people. <laughs> For a, looking for a little blonde kid, she's gone. This is a, a needle in a haystack. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we find out it's Lana Turner, and she runs into John Gavin, who is a photographer at the beach. So um, he advises her to talk to the police. They finally find Susie under the boardwalk with a black woman and another little girl named Sarah Jane. Well, wait, there was like this kind of weird thing where. So I'm like, oh, it's 1947. And I'm like, oh, when I was looking at the people, I'm like, yeah, because black people probably weren't allowed to be there. So no wonder. And then you see this black this black woman walk in front of. Lana Turner, and she has hot dogs and a little blonde-haired kid and then this other little white kid and they go running past and, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess... And then I was thinking to myself, how do they know... A lot of this movie, people, there's a there's a long internal monologue going on in my head during this whole movie. I got very distracted by a fact that comes up shortly and I could not let it go. At which point she texted me, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> it was like, bullshit, bullshit. I called bullshit on this movie. Five minutes into this movie, I was completely taken out. Yeah, I was too. So the, so the woman, though, is walking, and I was thinking to myself, oh, that's their um, their child care person. And But then I was like, well, how did white people just let, did they just assume that that was the, the situation? And so then they just let her in because they were like she if she wasn't taking care of those white children she wouldn't be here exactly and she didn't have a swimsuit on either okay so she wasn't going to go in the water and and soil the water for the white people right okay so we find out that uh Lana's little girl has been with this black woman and this other little girl. The black woman is Mrs. Johnson, played by Juanita Moore. And um, and the little blonde kid is is saying, can I stay and play with her more? Can I stay and play with her more? Sarah Jane. So um, Lana Turner says to Mrs. Johnson, Sarah Jane's a lovely girl. How long have you taken care of her? And she says all her life. And I'm like, okay. Okay, also, hold on a second. Sarah Jane has the straightest hair I have ever seen in my life. It is in a ponytail. She's at the beach. It's in a ponytail, bone straight. With all that humidity, you know she was in the water. And it comes all the way down to her lower back in the ponytail. There will be a rant soon. (laughs) And so Mrs. Johnson is telling Lana Turner, you know, I I really, I need a job. Um, 
I, I, I'd be willing, you know, are you looking for someone? Cause you obviously need somebody to take care of your kid. And Lana goes, you'd be willing to leave Sarah Jane to come and work with me. And she goes, no, I take Sarah Jane with me. She's my daughter. Dun, dun, dun. What? Now I called bullshit before. I called bullshit, bullshit, bullshit on this because I had read the synopsis, and so I knew that it was about a little mixed child and her black mother. And I knew, well, the mother's Juanita Moore, and she's got a daughter. So as soon as I saw, I was like, oh, okay. And then I did the calculations and I immediately called bullshit, bullshit, bullshit on this because I was like, they cast a little white girl as this role. She is, are you kidding? And then I, w- I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's more to this story. Well, when she explains to Lana Turner how this child is hers, she said that she was with um, a man. Her fa- The father was extremely light-skinned. <laughs> okay. I, I don't feel like she was saying he was a white man. I feel like she was saying he was an extremely light-skinned black man. Yeah, that's what she was saying. But yeah, I'm like, I'm there's going, no way. Whoa. There is no way. Are you kidding me? And that proceeded to take me out of the film. <laughs> so as we go through, I'll tell you that because I made up my own film, my own little movie to this oh, film. Oh, good. So I'll good. tell you what I was thinking. Okay. So uh, Lana Turner is saying to Susie, say goodbye to these lovely people. And the Sarah Jane starts crying saying, but mommy, we've, we've got nowhere to live. Oh, at which point, kind-hearted white woman that she was, Lana Turner says, "Oh, come, come with us. You know, it's just uh, it's just for tonight. But I have a, a little tiny, not even I can't even call it a room, but you you know you can stay there for the night." So at this point, I'm thinking, "Oh, I see." These like that's a really good. This is a really good con that this woman has come up with. She finds a missing, a, a little blonde, white-haired kid. She buys them hot dogs, and this is how she ropes in the mother and gets a job. I'm like, this woman, she knows how to survive in these times. Yeah, because they, she didn't have a job. Not she did say not many people want a maid who has a child. Mm-hmm. So they go to this walk-up. I, I would say not very many people want a black maid who has an obviously Caucasian child. Not a child that's extremely light-skinned. Like, I understand. Okay, settle it. Here's the rant. I understand, like, being fair-skinned. Being fair-skinned and, like, oh, okay, you know, that's a fair-skinned child. But there's such a thing as features and there's such a thing as genetics. So you can have somebody that is super pale. They can even, you can even have throw in light eyes. But there's such a thing as the feature of a nose. And the the people that they cast to play Sarah Jane had the thinnest noses I've ever seen in my life. And it's and you want me there would be some features. The hair. The hair is a dead giveaway. 
Now, here's a dead giveaway. It's what took me out because I look at people's hairs. And especially if I know that that's a little mixed kid, I look at the hair. That's what I do automatically. <laughs> what kind of hair did you get? And so I, I am. And then I was thinking the entire movie. I'm like, what are the chances? Because I'm sure there probably is someone who is mixed that looks just like that is like, you know, because passing was a thing. So there has to be. But then I was trying to think of what are the chances. Would you say one in a hundred? One in a hundred mixed children have hair and not just mixed children, mixed women have hair like that. No. I bounced hair, it up. Hair. Well, because there's the gamut to run. There's the hair with the feature, the nose with the thin lips. Yes. So, I mean, she she won the the trifecta. At that point, well, I, this, depending on if you consider that winning. Oh, yeah, I don't. But I'm looking at it strictly. They stole the job. From, you're going to tell me in 1959 that they didn't have any little mixed Rashida Jones looking kids yeah. to cast in this role. But I guess we'll get to that later. So I was I was taken aback because I was doing it. I was like, all right, the features like, OK, the skid. She has dark eyes, the features. She's got real thin lips and a real narrow nose. And Annie's supposed to be her mother. I'm like, there's a lot of recessive genes going on. Okay, they said they specifically said that the father wasn't a white man, so he was light-skinned. Okay, well, obviously, maybe if he was super light-skinned, he had some white in his family. Fine. But again, you're still going to have the traces. There's still going to be something. Like, you, you should have cast a... Why couldn't they have cast a really freckly person with, like, wavy hair? Right, right. They, there there it was, were ways to do it. Yeah. Yes. this When you see this little girl, I'm like, she's Jewish. <laughs> she's not black. So then I'm thinking in this movie, you know what? Do we know that this is, like she says that this is her kid, but now all of a sudden this woman has weaseled her way into this job with this child that is obviously white. So how do we know that this is her real child? And then I'm like, no, this is. you have to look at this movie the way that the filmmakers wanted you to see it. They want you to see this obviously white child is half black. And I'm like, I don't, but I don't buy it. <laughs> I'm not picking up what they're putting down. So listeners, <clears throat> Susie, uh, Susie is good friends with Sarah Jane already. So Susie has, you know, dolls, lots of dolls. So she picks up her white doll and Sarah Jane wants it. And Susie goes, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have this other doll you can have. And it's a little black doll. And Sarah Jane goes, I don't want that doll. I'm white. <sighs> and Sarah Jane, um, uh, the, her mama goes, where are your manners? And Sarah Jane just drops that doll. Now, Sarah Jane has no manners. No. Uh, I, I, I don't know how she was raised by this woman because she's got no manners. And that gives me to point number two about this film. We're all, because at this point, audience members, I was already at this point with this film. I called bullshit, bullshit, bullshit on the casting. And now you're going to tell me that Sarah Jane has a black mother and she is allowed to mouth off and she's allowed to say, I don't want this black doll. 
Where I had pictured a hand coming out of nowhere and smacking her across the face. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the next morning. The milkman is leaving. And the girls are playing, but Annie tells Annie is the mama. Annie tells them they have to be quiet until Laura, who is Lana, gets up. And she gets up. The laundry's already done. Breakfast is cooked. And uh, the telephone rings. And it's the Acme Modeling Agency saying that um, they're looking for somebody would Laura like to come in and audition. Now, at this point, I'm thinking this woman took took Annie and her daughter in. And by when she she goes to sleep, she's just having house guests. She wakes up. All her stuff for the house is completely done. Annie woke up and did all of the work and she did all of the work to show like, hey, I could stick around and I could do this. You can't live without you me. You can't live without me. So I'm thinking this woman. I, I, at this point, I'm still thinking, you know, maybe she kidnapped this child. It would have been a better film. That I'm way. telling you, go back. If you it's a long movie, go back and watch the movie as a um, as sort of a hand that rocks the cradle type suspense thriller and mm -hmm. see how kind of creepy Annie is. Huh? Uh, and also, it's obvious that Laura doesn't have any money. She's in a five-story walk-up. It, it, it's a little dinky apartment. Mm -hmm. She she doesn't have money to pay help. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, she got the job. And she's asking Annie if she'll just stay with Susie for today while she, um, you know, does this shoot. Mm-hmm. So uh, the shoot is for a flea powder, and she's supposed to be sprinkling flea powder on a St. Bernard. And uh, she sneezes. She Okay, they eventually get the ad, but, and then the check will be in the mail. Yeah, they weren't impressed with her modeling skills because she kept messing up the shot by sneezing. And I'm thinking, wow, she's kind of long in the tooth for this work. Yeah. Lana Turner had some miles on her. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll get to why at the end. But, yeah, she was no spring chicken. Oh. And um, she needed the, the check. To, I mean, she needed the money today to be able to pay her superintendent or they were going to get they were going to be homeless. Yeah. And they're going the checks in the mail. It comes to your address. And so um, Lana comes home and. What? She says, uh, she says to us, Annie, well, it seems like you intend to stay, uh, but you can see how bad things are. And Annie goes, it's better than where I came from. So they kind of uh, have an agreement without, of course, talking money that she's going to live there and, and take care of Susie, Sarah Jane, and Laura. Yeah. So I'll just. <sighs> I don't understand. This woman doesn't have any money to pay you, but she, I guess because she needed a place to stay. And so she was like, oh, I'm here. I found it. It's better than where I was. Better than being on the streets. At least Sarah Jane has a roof over her head. Not that she's at all grateful. Yeah. Oh, man. Talk about all time hateful characters. <laughs> Sarah Jane, number one. 
So Lana, after she left her shoot, she walked all over town trying to see every agent in New York City because she's an actress. Mm-hmm. She's not just a model. At which point the buzzer buzzes. John Gavin is there with the pictures from the beach. Because he took pictures of the kids and, you know, the kids were like, go, we want to see the pictures. Like a photographer taking pictures of kid, other at kids the beach. at the beach yeah. is weird. That's weird. The woman that you just met at the beach is just like in your house now taking over your house. That's weird. You're... You have like a kid and I'm get they probably think she's supposed to be in her thirties, but she looks like she's pushing forty in this. Yeah. That's weird. Okay, so um John Gavin is Steve Archer and he says that his dream is to get his pictures in the Museum of Modern Art. And he tells Laura that he likes what she did, her kindness for Annie and Sarah Jane. And then he tells her, my camera could have a love affair with you. Oh, That's John Gavin. Can you can you do dinner? Can you do lunch? And Laura goes, take me to Rodney's. It's the poor man's 21. So I can see people there. And then he says to her, aren't you a little late getting started with this acting career? <laughs> but she's a oh. widow. Her husband was a like a a director, but not a director uh, in New York or Hollywood. He was a professional director, and they lived in a small town. And she emphasized that they're you know, like whatever it was professional. And it took her five years to save the money, so she's like you know about forty five years. She would have been thirty five. That's still late getting into the acting biz. But who am I to judge? Yeah, well, I think it's not, I don't really think it's so late to get into the acting biz, but for the roles that she was going for and the time, time. Yeah. Okay, so they're at Rodney's, and somebody tells her that Tennessee Williams is casting a new play. No, hot diggity dog. So she goes to. Uh, the 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 office of Robert Hayes, who is an agent, and she puts on a performance. Erin, you want to tell about the performance? Oh, yes. So she goes in and the casting place is packed with all these women who are younger than her. And she goes up to the secretary. The secretary was like feeling some call from someone else, like ter- probably turning someone away, I think. And she's listening in. And so she does her little hustle. She gives a, she comes up and she says that um, she gives them her name and says that so and so from Hollywood. She drops the name Robert. Somebody uh, sent me over to audit to see Mr. What, whatever his face is. And so yeah. um, the woman, the secretary says, I don't see anything like that in my notes. And. Laura Lana says, well, um, somebody messed up and, you know, they're going to be really mad over there. But, hey, as long as it wasn't you, right? And the secretary is is panicking and she's like, okay, I'll go in and see him. And so she goes in and she does her whole song and dance for this uh this guy, this age. Is he an agent or? He is an agent. I, I had the name wrong. 
he's an agent. We'll get to his name soon. But um, she was saying that Robert Hayes from Hollywood had sent her to him. Yeah. So it's Robert Hayes. So she, he's like, oh, Robert, how's he doing? Is he still on the golf course or something like that? And she's like, yeah, still is. And she doesn't know who Robert Hayes is, but she's really trying to to um, to secure this part and stuff, talk herself into it. And so then he gets a phone call, and it's somebody canceling on him for the evening. Yes. And he hangs up the phone and he asks her if she would mind um, going out with him on this date. And she says, yes. And then at some point he goes and he gets his secretary on the phone and asks him to call Robert because he wants to tell, does he have to tell Robert something? He, I think he wants to, to thank Robert for sending her to him. Right. And she stops him and she, she comes clean. She's like, no, no, no. I don't do that. You don't have to do that. And so he talks like a wise guy. The Robert Hayes, or not Robert Hayes, but the producer guy. He's real slick and talks. He's like, I knew it. You're an actress and you lie well, but you had me. You had me for a couple of seconds there. And that's what it takes. And he's looking her over. He's like, you're a little long in the tooth, but here's what you do. I'll take you out with me. Put some minks on you, all at my expense. But you know, when they're directors or guys and they want to take you off to the side and do whatever they want to do, Me Too movement. Me you're, too movement. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go along with it. And she's like, why I never? And he says, hey, you want to get ahead? You say that this is acting and, and this is your dream and you'll do whatever it takes. This is what it takes, toots. Yep. And then he kisses her neck and she says, please don't. And um, she walks out. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, fine then and leaves. So um, she she tells him, you're trying to cheapen me and I'm going to make it my way. And she goes out the door. Mm -hmm. So Steve and Annie are in her apartment. Now, the one income she had coming in was addressing envelopes for something. So Steve and Annie are doing the envelopes, but um, she comes in and she lies to them. Oh, it was Mr. Loomis. That's who the, oh. the agent was. And she said, oh, it was great. It's great. He's uh, the, the play is already cast, but, you know, he's going to keep me in mind, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, she starts to cry. Well, also, we learn that um, Annie has that Annie talked to the superintendent. Yes. And worked her magic and she's also sweeping the stairs and that will get knock off $10 off the rent. And she also got a job doing this guy's shirts, pressing this guy's shirts and he's real particular about his shirts. So, she feels very confident that she that they're going to be fine with the rent. So really, Annie is saving her instead of her saving Annie mm -hmm. at this moment. And I'm kind of like, huh, Annie, Annie, Annie's a hustler. Annie's a hustler. So if I was a hustler in those times, having a little white child would come in mighty handy. <laughs> this is the movie that I'm watching. <laughs> oh, So she tells Steve that this guy was trying to cheapen her and... 
she loves the theater and it's what she wants. So Steve tells her, hold on to your dreams, which is easy to say when, you know, they're only dreams. <laughs> hold on to them. And then Lorna says, maybe I should see things as they are, not the way I want them to be. Steve leaves and says he'll call tomorrow. So she goes to sleep and, and she goes in and kisses Susie and she sees a bandage on Susie's wrist. And so she asks Annie, what's the deal? And uh, Annie goes, well, it was just a little something. But after class, someone said that Negro blood and, and white blood were different. And so the girls wanted to see. So I guess they cut themselves to see. No, I think crazy. I guess not crazy. Problematic, stereotypical. What's her name? Something Jane. Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane cut herself to bleed and cut Susie. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah, so she cut Susie because she wanted to see Susie's white blood. It's not uh, funny, but it's, <laughs> it sounds funny. It gets worse. So now it's Christmas time, and uh, in school there's a Christmas tree. We used to have Christmas trees in our classroom. Weird. When I was a little girl, and uh, the teacher is up in front teaching, and Annie comes to the door because Sarah Jane has forgotten her lunch or something, and um, the the teacher goes goes, I, I don't have a little colored girl in my class. And so Sarah Jane is holding her book in front of her face going, Mama, just go away, go away. And, and, and Annie goes, yeah, you do, Sarah Jane. Well, I didn't know. At which point Sarah Jane runs out into the rain. So Sarah Jane was passing. Totally. So Annie chases her and and catches her and and Sarah Jane says she just hopes she could die. And Annie goes, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Why do you have and and Sarah Jane says, why do you have to be my mother? And I'm thinking in the movie I'm watching, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) She's not Sarah Jane. Even though you're a deplorable human being in this movie, in the movie I'm watching, you're right. (laughs) So Annie explains to Laura that Sarah Jane has been passing at school pretending to be white. And Sarah Jane says, I am white and I'm never going back to that school. And Annie says, it's a sin to be ashamed of who you are. And then Annie says, the Lord must have had his reasons for making some of us white and some of us black. How do you explain to your child that she was born to be hurt? Ooh. Well, you start talking to him at an early age and you say that you're so lucky to be in the zebra family. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Annie. You're just now kind of having this conversation with her. That's why I'm thinking in this movie, like, what if this is all a gaslight? Because, <laughs> again, people, I, I'm not watching this movie thinking that this is a biracial child. I see that that child is white. 
She looks pretty freaking white. She's so freaking white. And I know I'm, I'm so, I know how probably this movie is making me a problematic person right now because I can't get over the fact that this little girl is white, but she's supposed to be being mixed. And I'm just like, no, she's white. Like, let her go be white. She's passing for mixed. Yeah, she's passing for mixed. She's really white. (laughs) Okay, Steve is somewhere with Laura, and he has a magazine. And on the magazine is one of the beach photos they took. And he tells Laura that he got a job um, with this magazine. And it's Christmas time, and he has a Christmas present for her. And Laura says, oh, uh-oh, I, I don't have a present for you. And he says, well, I guess you'll just have to marry me then. <laughs> so, Steve, you don't even know this woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. You I'm don't like, know Steve, how old she is. Steve, I, again, I'm watching, what are they called? Psychological thrillers. I'm watching a psychological thriller, Steve. And in my psychological thriller, you're a pedophile who takes pictures of children at the beach and you need Laura, Lara, Lana to be your beard so that you can do nefarious things on the side, but you couldn't because you're upstanding and like you have, she needs to be your cover. Because in this movie, John Gavin could be, could be mixed. Well, we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. So, he tells her, I want to give you a home and I want to take care of you. And she's going, uh, I still want the theater. I want more. And he goes, do you love me? And she goes, I think so. <laughs> so, see, he was telling her, follow her dream until it started to interfere in what he wants. Yeah. Then he, she was getting a little too busy and he and didn't have enough time for him. But they kiss. Yeah. Then the phone rings. It's Mr. Loomis. He has a job for you. So she takes the call. And it's a playwright. There's a small part. It's $250 a week. Now, was that $250 a week? Yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a small part, but but it's a good part. You're going to do great with it. And Steve goes, you're going to go back there to that Loomis guy after he was, like, propositioning you? And she, and um, she says, well, what, are you asking me not to go? And he says, I'm not asking you not to go. I'm telling you. Yeah. And she was Whoa. like, boy, bye. Yeah. <laughs> this might be 19 whatever it is, but I, I have my dreams and aspirations. Yeah, because the movie was made in 1959, but I believe that it starts to take place in like 1946 or something. So, you know, like, didn't you see Stormy Weather? It's the same thing as Bojangles and Lena Horne were going through. Exactly. So Without all of the awesome, amazing dancing and the little white children who are cast as black children. Yeah, no passing in in stormy weather. I want to achieve something. Nobody's going to pull me down. You're asking me to give up something I've wanted my whole life. And Steve goes, okay, but I might not be around to pick up the pieces. Yeah, Steve basically tells her to grow up. Yeah. And she says, good. Mm -hmm. Next scene, they're in the apartment. Lorna has her script. 
Annie's telling the kids the story of Jesus. And Steve is on the phone, but but uh, Laura won't talk to him because, you know, I mean, he's told her, I want you not to have a career. I want you to be Beaver Cleaver's mom. But she can't be Beaver Cleaver's mom because that's Annie. Annie is Beaver Cleaver's mom. See, that's it's true. this is tragic because Steve should have just married Annie. That's true. <laughs> and also... Then the uh, kid would make sense. Yeah, exactly. Because Sarah Jane looks... <laughs> Just like Steve, I mean, like, she does. That could like st that's Steve's daughter. Yeah, could have been. Well, we'll explain why later. Okay, so of course Sarah Jane said oh, some. Uh, well, it must be little uh, Susie who says, "Is Jesus black or white?" And Sarah Jane says, "Well, he's like me. He's white." Oh, Sarah Jane. Again, where's the where's the hand coming out and just slapping her? Yeah. Just, sla just slap the white off her. <laughs> just, well, you got a long way to go. She just gets tired because it's like, damn, that's a lot of white. <laughs> and then Sarah Jane's I, like, I'm getting blood here. Sarah Jane's saying, I am white, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she she played the part seeing. really well. She was very convincing every time she says, I am white. I'm like, she says I am white in this movie I'm like no shit <laughs> quit reminding me I'm trying I'm trying to look at this movie the way I'm supposed to but I can't see past your blinding whiteness <laughs> and I'm not talking about your skin color I'm talking about that that goddamn white hair you have look at it she was in the water five minutes ago and look how straight it is <laughs> she's not even Hispanic people Okay, next scene, uh, they're doing the staging of, of the play. And she's having a hard time with the staging, and the director's getting very frustrated with her. It's like she it, went to the John Gavin School of Acting. <laughs> like, what are you, what are, who are you acting like, Steve up there? And so it's supposed to be a, a high comedy bit in the play. And she goes... I'm an actress, and um, the the guy who wrote it wants her in the play. So he comes up, and she goes, you're too good of a writer to have this scene in your play. You don't need this scene in your play. <gasps> I was like, oh, no, she did. Yeah. Talk about kahunas. Oh, this woman's got balls. So he goes, well, well what would you do? And she says, just cut this scene out. And. He says, well, could you play Amy? I guess Amy's the lead. And uh, at, at which point I wrote Loomis is a skunk because Loomis takes credit for anything. She, like at first he was going, no, 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 no. She's, you know, I don't represent her. Yeah. Oh, and well, well, that when, was because she was talking. She was talking back to the director or to the writer. And Loomis was coming in like, what are you doing? Like, do not. And then she, Loomis is distant. Like, I don't know. She got a mind her own. I don't know who she is. But then the writer, he hadn't. He was so successful by this point that nobody was telling him no anymore. Nobody was giving him the feedback that he that he needed that he had when he was young and, and up and coming. And so his work was suffering. And finally, this woman was just honest with him. And so he was smitten by that. And he was like, you're right. You're 100% right. We should cut it. We can give the lines to Annie. Matter of fact, how would you feel about playing Annie? 
Amy. How? Annie's the black woman back at the apartment. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Who wrote so, this? We cut to the end of the, the perf- first performance of the play. Applause, applause, applause. And then the audience is calling for Meredith to come back out. Um, so she wasn't like the lead. The leads were out there taking their bow and the applause was okay, okay. But then they started calling for uh, Miss Laura, Laura Meredith, Laura Meredith, Meredith. She comes out and the, the crowd goes wild. She bojangles them. It she, is an instant success. Yeah. yeah, there's so many similarities. Uh, and Steve is in the audience. Mm-hmm. So Laura calls home to tell Annie it was a huge success. It's get ready for a party. She's going to have a party in her dinky apartment. Yeah, which means, hey, Annie, I need you to to rustle up some grub. (laughs) And so before they go home, um, Loomis is reading the reviews and all of them are good about Laura. Mm -hmm. So Loomis goes home. Everybody else leaves. It's just the writer and Lorna are left alone. And I'm going, okay, here we go. Well, the writer kind of says his line. He had a line that he gave to everybody and everybody knew, oh, it's his time to clear out. He's about to get with the leading lady. Yeah. And so everybody cleared out. It's the Harvey Weinstein moment. Yeah. It's like, I think it's like, oh, this is getting a little icky. Yeah, I, I, it was very, there were a lot of moments like that. So then he takes her to look out at the New York skyline and he tells her it's her new world. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I can't begin to thank you. Oh, well, we all knew where that can. was going. <laughs> so, and he says, well, we'll have to do more plays. And um, she says, with you, David, you're good for me. Uh, I am. I feel so complete and so happy. So I'm going, if she's, I think she's just a really good actress and she's saying this now because she knows that she needs him. But I don't think she's really in love with him. No, she's she's older, so she's very savvy at the ways of the world. And she knows. To quote Eminem, she only got one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Or Hamilton. I'm not throwing away my, my shot. shot. Yeah, she's hamilton uh, them. And he says, well, I just want to tell you, I always fall in love with my leading ladies. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm falling in love with you tonight. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Blah. So then we start seeing um, dates coming across the screen. Just it's 1949. Montages. It's so, 1950. Yeah. It, and she, it's, it's also the plays that she's in. And she's getting more and more success. So by 53, she's a total star. Yeah, she's a star, baby. And uh, the plays have all been written by David. Mm-hmm. They're all comedies. So it's 1958, and she's backstage with Annie, and David comes in. And he wants to go out, and she says, I want to bag, bag, beg off tonight. I'm so tired. And Annie says, she needs to go home to bed. And... Um, Laura can't stop. Laura says he can't stop or he'd find out how sad he really is. Yeah. So their, 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 um, relationship is crumbling. Yeah. And Susie's at boarding school. Um, Annie has spells and 
uh, Lana Laura. It's the cancer. Yeah, Lana Laura asked if her if she's been to the doctor about her spells, and she's like, no. Um, and Sarah Jane is another older white woman, except now that Sarah Jane's older, she looks like a like a Natalie Wood. Yes. I was going to say cheap Natalie Wood, but I thought that might she, be a little mean. It's a little mean, but it's true. They, they, there were people who wanted Natalie Wood for that role. Yeah, I think yeah. Natalie Wood might have auditioned for the role. Look at Natalie Wood. Wood she can be Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah. She can be mixed. But, but she looked very much like the person who played this role, and I don't remember her name. Oh, Natalie. Oh, it's... um. Uh, Susan Conner or Connor K-O-H-N-E-R then I wondered because you didn't really hear much about her later that I know of if if Natalie Wood was advised not to take it because then would people always be wondering are you part black? <laughs> well that is very interesting and we will get to that later there's so okay. much that we have to get to later so there, so we need to hurry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're in this new house. It is a gorgeous house. It must be Connecticut. Yeah, it's upstate somewhere in the burbs. Yeah. They made it. And Annie says, "Can we afford this place?" And Laura says, "We can't afford not to have it, because way back when Annie had said you got to appear prosperous." So um, there's a lot of bills coming in, but because she has to furnish this house in in the style to which people are expecting. Wait, wait, Annie said you have to appear prosperous? Back, 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 back at the apartment when she was going out on her first auditions. Oh, auditions. You needed to look interesting. And who would have heard that but little Sarah Jane having her mom tell somebody you need to what? appear prosperous? Yeah, I didn't put that together. I just I didn't hear it until you just said it. I was always wondering why she didn't get knocked out by her mom. You, you, you are black. So um, Sarah Jane is sneaking out. And David comes in and says, you have to read my new play. And Laura says, you know what? This might be awkward, but <laughs> I've decided to do the new Stuart something play. Uh, it's a great chance for good acting. And... David goes, David said, is there a color angle in it? Yeah, there's like, some sort of controversial colored ang angle in it. In in this play. Huh. And she says, she's just not going to do David's new play. She's ready for something else. She wants so drama. David, she wants to be a serious actress. And David just throws his script in the fire. <laughs> and he walks out and Annie's like, he worked so hard on that. And... Uh, Lana Laura says he has at least six copies. He's just being <laughs> theatrical. Okay, so new scene. There's applause. There's a curtain call. It. Um, she's she has done the dramatic Stuart somebody play, and David comes and tells her that he was wrong. She was right. She should have done this play. She's backstage, and Steve Steve comes backstage with. A woman, Louise Morton, and Lorna introduces him as a very dear old friend. Ten years ago, he came to my house, 
So um, then it's back at, at their new house. Susie hopes, oh, Susie has come home from school and she hopes mother will have time for me. But people are arriving for there's another big party, right? Yeah, Iqbal, they're going to wait for the reviews at her house. And um, Annie's in the kitchen. And she tells, uh, and and uh, Annie's looking a little, a little peaked. Yeah, she's not looking well. She's she's not looking her, her great self. And she says to Susie, run upstairs and get Sarah Jane. I need her to help me. And Steve sees Annie. Yeah, because they hadn't seen each other in like 10 years. Yeah, and he was she was so happy to see yeah. him. And Lorna says, we're not going to let you go. Uh, Saturday, there's we're going to have a picnic. Come and do the picnic with us. And, I, and I'm thinking, I thought Steve, I thought for sure that the woman that Steve was with was his wife and she was pregnant. And, then, and I'm like, I again, I guess that's in the movie I'm watching. Because apparently that's not what's happening in this film. Well, she she's a woman, but because um, she just I disappears. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go back and look for if she looked pregnant because <laughs> there's a lot of movie here. So then Susie sees Stephen. Oh my gosh, they're so happy to see each other because Susie is now Sandra D. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Jane comes wait, wait, in. Wait. And- Who's Sandra D? Like. Sandra D from that Grease song, I'm Sandra D. Yes. So who's Sandra D? She was, um, she was, she was maybe the first Gidget. Oh, so she, she was like, uh, like the Bobby Socks, like, yes, like blonde, yes. white, like young white teenager in the 50s. Like yeah, the first, teeny like, bopper. Like 50s yeah. teeny bopper. Yeah. Like Miley Cyrus. But she was she was like the Miley Cyrus of the fifties. She was like the Hannah Montana. Oh, the Hannah Montana of the fifties. Yeah, she never came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So Annie puts the food on. And I guess it's Susie's birthday. Susie, did you wish on it? So Susie said, I wish we could always be like this, all of us together. And Lorna says, you know what? I'm not going to do another play for a long, long time. Did we miss the part where Annie tells Sarah Jane to take the food out and the fried shrimp? (gasps) We did. (laughs) Go for it, Erin. So Susie, they're having some sort of argument because, you know, Sarah Jane is just, oh, just a hideous, just a hideous girl. And they're having some sort of argument about something. And Annie was just like, just go take, can you just take the food out to um, the whatever, to the people? And so... They, and they had to be having some sort of con- maybe they were having a conversation about how Annie like it was like I, maybe something I don't know but there was a boy that was asking about her and it was like the chauffeur's kid or something so it was implied that he was black and 
uh, like Sarah Jane didn't want to have any of that. And so then Annie's just like, well, just go take the food out. And she she goes and she puts the food on her head and comes the out, the platter on her head and comes out and then delivers it with, like, what do you call it? Like, basically, she does a Butterfly McQueen, right? From yeah. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. She starts talking like like that character in that film really stereotypical um of what a black person sounds like like just real just real racist and it made me this made me real cringe because i'm like you're this is wrong you're white you can't say this And okay. so, so yeah, so she puts it down as just sort of making a point. And Lana Turner is beside herself. Yeah. And she goes in and, and she goes to Annie and she says, did you see what your daughter just did? And Annie is, I mean, Annie is, my problem with Annie is how saintly she is. She is just, just, I know, I saw and she, of course, Annie's just heartbroken by her the performance her daughter just gave. And Lana Turner's feelings are all hurt because she's like, I've never treated you like this. Why is she doing this? I never. Of course, Lana Turner has to make it all about her. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's all about why are you making me feel like this? I didn't. I don't own you guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold up. So... Yeah. So the next day is Saturday, the day of the picnic. And Sarah Jane is sick in bed. She can't go. And I'm like, this is bullshit. This is. Nope. She's pulling the Ferris Bueller. You know how yes, I know? Because she she's white. <laughs> <laughs> so they all leave for the picnic. And as soon as the door slams, she's out of bed getting dressed. Oh, Sarah Jane. I was like, I I do not like you at all, Sarah Jane. Yeah, it was really, you want to find something to be sympathetic with a character about? I, I have, I am sympathetic towards Sarah Jane because I do get it. I, I get, <laughs> and the reason I get it is because she's white. And I'm like... But she, but then the character in the movie that I'm supposed to be watching, I'm supposed to be like, oh, she's white and she can pass. And so she wants to, she wants to have an easier life for herself, except it's not going to be an easier life for herself. It's just what she, she thinks is going to be an easier life for herself. But it's not because she's just lying. She's, she's going to have to look over her shoulder for all her life. She's going to have to carry with her this huge secret. And well, we'll get to it later. Yeah. So Susie's talking to Annie on the picnic about kissing. And Steve is telling Laura that he's the vice president of a beer company, but he's quitting as soon as he can. Um. As soon as he can. And she says, you need to follow your stars. Um, and so then Lorna is falling back in love with Steve. And Steve says, you know, I still have you in my blood. I never got over you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Bob. So they're back Now we're together. home. And Susie 
go, runs up to see Sarah Jane as Sarah Jane is just climbing back in the window. Mm-hmm. And well, Sarah Jane has a boyfriend, and the boyfriend's white, and she, Sarah, so Sarah Jane is like, well, well, Susie's gonna be like, well, is he cool with you being black? And Sarah Jane says, no, like, no, he's and he's not gonna find out, and you're not gonna say anything to anybody about this. So, uh, cross your heart, you won't tell Mama. Yeah. Okay. So, if Mama finds out, I'll die. If he finds out about Mama, I'll die. My Mama can't help her color, but I can. He wants to marry me. Now, when she has a baby... (laughs) All the recessive genes are coming out. All the lips that she never had. the The bridge of her nose that she doesn't have. The key, that kid's gonna have the kinkiest hair. She's not even gonna know what to do with it because her hair was bone straight. She's not gonna know what to do with that baby's hair. No, she's not. <laughs> no, she's not gonna know. Sunday nights, three hours with the hairdryer. She, she's not. She's. Not, she has no idea. So, um, Annie's not feeling well. And Sarah, Annie's been trying to get Sarah Jane to go out with young people her own age. Yeah, because Sarah Jane likes to go out. Is this what, to the point where she's hanging out all the time with Steve? This is Sarah Jane, not Susie. Oh, Sarah Jane's always going out. Right. Now, yeah. now Lorna had told Susie that she wasn't going to do another play for a while. But then this Italian director calls from Hollywood with this huge script and she's going to go away and do this, this movie. Well, because it's the best part since Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, it is. So, um, okay. So this is actually when Sarah Jane carries the tray on her head and, um, Sarah Jane tells Annie, mama, please understand. I love you. And, Anna just cries, and Sarah Jane sneaks out, and this is where she meets Frankie, her boyfriend, who is Troy Donahue. Oh. And Sarah Jane tells him, I'm having trouble at home. Can't we just run away? To New Jersey, which made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And Frankie says, just tell me one thing. Is your mother a... (gasps) N-word. Tell me, tell me. And he starts beating her. Because everyone at school has been saying it. And she says, what difference does it make? (laughs) He's going, what difference does it make? (laughs) And he slaps her over and over and he walks off. Now, that was his part in the play, in in the whole movie. And he could not act his way out of a paper bag. Yeah. And he leaves her literally in the gutter. Yeah, she finally got that beating, but it wasn't satisfying at all. And in the movie I'm watching at this point, I'm like, oh, my God, what if she really is white, guys? This is this is the psychological thriller. And she's she's like, no, I am white. (laughs) She just got beat up. You don't understand. This woman kidnapped me when I was a baby. 
Yep. I'm the Lindbergh baby girl nobody knew about. I'm Italian. <laughs> and Annie is telling Lorna, I'm glad you're not going to Italy. And Lorna goes, oh, I wouldn't miss Susie's graduation. Can you believe both of them are graduating? Annie, you look so tired. <laughs> so Annie's going, I, I got money, but I want to I want to splurge it on my funeral. And I'm like, guy, can you keep it on anymore? I know that Annie's going to die. She's not going to survive this movie. I knew when she had the spells. Because it's the big C. And Annie goes, I want all my friends there. And Lorna goes, well, it never <laughs> occurred to me that you had friends. <laughs> that, that part of the movie was hilarious. At which point, I, I was... There's already the movie that I'm watching in my head, but then I'm thinking about the movie that I wish that they had made, which was when you get to it. I'm like, man, we should have been following Annie the entire time. She says, I go to the Baptist church. I belong to several lodges. You just never asked. Oh, Annie belongs to all these churches and all these lodges. <laughs> and, and Lana Lorna has no idea about it. Because she's only sure to be there when Lana Lorna needs her. Yeah. At which point, Susie runs in and says it's Sarah J. So she's all beat up. Mm -hmm. And she goes, leave me alone. And Susie goes, it was her boyfriend. And Sarah Jane says, yes, he found out I'm not white. Because you keep telling the world you're, I'm your daughter. Anything you can do to spoil, you spoil it. And Lorna is the one who says, don't talk to your mama like that. Yeah. Again, now we're at the graduation party. And Lorna tells Susie, I'm sorry I couldn't bring you your present, but it's too big because it's a... It's a pony! It's a thoroughbred. It's a thoroughbred! So Susie goes, oh, there's Annie and Steve. And Annie gives an envelope to Laura. It's from... Oh, it's from the Italian director, and he wants me in two weeks. It was so nice of him to push back filming for two weeks so I could be here for Susie's uh, graduation. Mm -hmm. And Steve, will you look after Susie for me while I'm gone? Now, everybody's been reading the signs that Susie is falling in love with Steve. But Steve doesn't have a clue. <laughs> or does Steve? Remember, we did meet Steve taking pictures of children at the beach. Ooh. Sarah Jane's in her room dancing to records. Susie and Steve are riding horses. They're having dinner. And at one point, Susie says, oh, I think this is romantic. And they get up and dance. Yeah. And Steve says, oh, you're almost a woman. And Susie said, well, there's a problem. Um, I'm in love. And Steve goes, do you want to talk about it? Susie says, sometimes I feel awfully lonely. Um, then we cut to Annie talking to Sarah Jane, saying you should go out with friends your own age. Sarah Jane's in New York. And Anne, oh, Sarah Jane has graduated. She's gone to New York. She works at the public library. Sure, Annie. 
And she's gotten a couple promotions. Sure, Annie. And um, Annie's telling Susie, here, borrow this coat of Sarah Jane's. That's rich. And she finds this note in the pocket. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about Sarah Jane working at Harry's Club. What's Harry's Club? So Harry's Club is a club in New York City. Um, Not a nice one. It's a men's club where girls wear costumes. Is she's it a cabaret like a sh- thing? Yeah, sort or of burlesque? a cabaret. She's, she's a showgirl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not striptease, but she has, you know, feathers and headdresses and such on it. So um, Mama calls the New York Library asking for her, and they go, nobody by that name works here. So Mama right away takes a taxi. To Harry's Club. Mm-hmm. And she says, is there a Sarah Jane working here? And uh, it goes, Sarah Jane's on stage right now. She is on fishnets, ostrich feathers, a bustier, doing a seductive song and dance. So Annie slips backstage. And Sarah Jane comes back. Sarah Jane Johnson, put on your clothes and get out of here. And Sarah Jane's telling the people, I've never seen this woman before in my life. I don't know who this woman is. And Annie goes, girl, here is my daughter and I'll have the law on you. She's through. So Sarah Jane's packing her suitcases. And uh, Annie's telling her, you know, you can still get in the colored teacher's college. (laughs) Sarah Jane walks off. Sarah Jane's like, mom, I'm white. (laughs) So the next day, Lorna's home uh, from her shoot in Italy. Annie is uh, up at the crack of dawn. Annie's sitting in the kitchen with a note from Sarah Jane. And the note says, pretend I was never born. Yeah, they pretend I'm dead. And Annie says she's done interfering. If she had done more interfering when the baby was a little kid, this wouldn't be a problem. Well, there was still always, people always still did pass. Like, not always, but like a lot of people did pass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of white people out here that have someone in their family passed. I'm just saying. A lot of people getting surprises in their 23andMe's. So Susie goes, Steve will know what to do. And Lorna, and she calls Steve. Lorna takes the phone away from Susie. And Lorna says, Steve says you're just as cute as a button. And Steve says he'll put a detective on it. And he finds out that Sarah Jane is now in Hollywood. Now, Annie, who says she's not going to interfere anymore, says, I'm going to Hollywood. And Steve says, I'll book you a train. And Annie says, I don't got time for a train. I'm flying. Got to see my baby one more time. I'm in a hurry. Well, baby's working at Moulin Rouge in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Annie goes in and there again is another dance number. And uh, Annie goes right up to the front of the stage. And the management comes in to move her. Sarah Jane sees her. They're backstage again. Uh, 
Annie, uh, Sarah Jane went back to, I guess she's living in a motel with some other dancers. And Annie is there. And Sarah Jane says, why can't you just leave me alone? And I might as well pass. I know, <laughs> I know you told everybody that I'm your daughter. And she said, I didn't come here to fight. I'm as tired as I, I ever want to be. I just want to look at you. And Sarah Jane says, I'm white, white, white. Does that answer you? Please, Mama, go and please don't recognize me if you ever see me again. And Annie goes, if you ever need anything, let Miss Lorna know. Let me hold you in my arms once more. I love you so much. And so Sarah Jane hugs her back and she's crying. There's a knock at the door. And uh, um, one of the dancers comes in and Annie goes, yeah, I used to take care of her. Uh, goodbye, Miss Linda. She's now calling herself Linda. Take good care of yourself. Yeah, because the woman that comes in thinks that she's the maid and like goes right. up to her with all these like, oh, there's ants in my bathroom. And yeah. Annie is <laughs> such a saint. She just says, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And so, so the dancer says to Sarah Jane, so honey, you, child, you had a mammy. Sarah Jane said, all my life. Now we're back at Lorna's house. Susie's bartending, which was amusing. And Susie says, I'm worried about Annie. Susie, will you stay here tonight? And Susie says, there's just no answer for a broken heart. <clears throat> um, I guess Annie is talking and Annie says, you know, Steve always enjoyed your mama's company. And Susie goes, I'm in love with Steve. And Annie goes, like a little girl. And Susie says, no. So Annie goes to sleep. And Susie looks out the window and she sees Steve kissing Lorna. Lorna comes in. Susie's door is locked. Lorna says, I've got the most wonderful news. Steve and I have always been in love and we're going to get married. And Susie says, I hope you'll be very happy. And she goes to bed. Next day, Lauren is in Annie's room. And she's going, I don't understand. I thought Susie would be thrilled. And Annie says, be very careful how you handle Susie. She has a real problem right now. Mm -hmm. You and I were meant to be the best mothers. And Susie's in love with Mr. Steve. Lorna, What? Why did he let that happen? Is this the part, though, where where Lorna Lana says, like, because they're like they're having their two mother conversation and Annie is in bed because, well, she's got cancer. But the movie wants us to say that she's dying of a broken heart from her daughter. Right. And so she's saying, like, my daughter is betraying her entire race and can't stand me because I'm black and... She wants to be white. I've raised a racist. And and then Lord Alana is like, yeah, but those those problems aren't real. I'm talking about my real problem. I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. my daughter yeah. is in love with my husband. <laughs> I was like, God, Lana, Laura. Yeah. 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 Like she's Annie's got real problems here. Like that's a real problem. 
And and she's really dying. <laughs> and she's really laid up in the bed, dying of a broken heart. Because somebody and, decided to cast a white woman as the role of a little black child. So then Lorna and Susie are talking. And Lorna says to Susie, Annie's always been more of a mother to you than I have. And Susie says, you know what? I have this op- application to college. I, I want to go away to college to Colorado. And Lorna goes, look, if Steve is going to come between us, I'll give him up. And Susie says, don't play the martyr. I hurt so much. This morning I feel strangely independent, though. So that's why I think going away would be good. So it's dinner time. Lorna and Steve are together. They're, she's telling Steve that Susie's going away to college. When did the idea of college come up? And then as she's saying, Annie's real sick. Um they called the doctor, and she told him to call the minister. Yeah, Annie's dying. And when my bills are all paid and every, everything that's left goes to Sarah Jane. If I loved her too much, I'm sorry. Mr. Steve Finder, give Miss Susie my pearl necklace. Yeah. So and then, then she time. gives the minister. She's like, your wife always loved my mink scarf. She always said it wasn't real mink, but it is real mink. You, she can have it. And the minister's like, oh, she did love that scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I believe coveted is the word. Yeah. Um, and Lorna's telling Annie, you can't leave me. I won't let you go because it's all about Lorna. All about Lorna. And, and Annie's like, all that money that I saved and I want a big funeral. Steve, in the desk, there are my plans. Like she, Annie's got a whole long death monologue here. Yes, yeah, she does. Let's skip to the funeral. Yeah, so <laughs> you skip to the funeral, and I'll be doggone, Annie. This was where I was. I was like, um, Annie is friends with Mahalia Jackson. Yeah, yeah. She got Mahalia, Mahalia Jackson singing at Annie's funeral. Like, there's so many flowers in this thing. Every, it's packed to the rafters. Mahalia Jackson sings at her funeral. They carry her out. The church is packed. The streets are lined with all. It's it's just like just black people as far as the eye can see. And some white people too. Yeah, and white people, young, old, children, all these people all crying for Annie. This was when I felt like I had been, I had been, I have been hoodwinked and bamboozled. I should have been watching the Annie story. This yeah. movie should have been told from the perspective of Annie. Look at all these people. But it was told from the perspective of Lana because Lana, Lorna is looking around like, who are all these people? I didn't know anything about this woman. And the main, the main part of the movie was about Sarah Jane. And it should have been Annie's perspective. It should have been. It was been- like... Annie and Sarah Jane are, are like a side, a side, side part of the but story. But they're a really huge side part of the story. And because it's, you never see Annie's point of view, you don't see why Sarah Jane is the way that she is. That's because true. it's not from her point of view. You just see like this kid who, oh, she looks white. And that's why I get, so, I was so caught up in. Well, I mean, it just ends at the funeral, right? Are we done with the recap? 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Sarah Jane comes running through the crowd oh, and yeah. says, I'm sorry, Mama, I always loved you. A big band goes down, the, and Sarah Jane goes, I killed my mother. And Yeah, he um, did. The end. Yeah. So we never see, because the movie never, is never taken place, and they do it for a reason, because they, it's, this movie is done with good intentions. It isn't like a, a nefarious Hollywood movie. Like the woman who wrote it, she she was, you know, down with the cause and stuff. It's just very problematic, and you could just tell it's very because, like, there is a movie there to be made because there there was a thing is passing. Like people did pass, and it was mm-hmm. an issue, and it, yeah, like all of that stuff. But because of just the casting of it and how the point of view is, just all we see of Annie is the saint. We never and yeah. we never even see anything else. She's she's obviously got such a rich, rich life because all these people come out for her funeral. But you, we never see that. And we only see like and then you only see uh, Sarah Jane being all <sighs> Sarah Janey <laughs> acting like she's a white kid. And in the movie I was watching, like, well, all right. Yeah. Uh, Pearl Bailey was considered for Annie. That would have been a whole different movie. Sign me up for that movie. Sign me I up. I see Pearl Bailey putting up with the shit. I do not see Pearl Bailey. I do not see Sarah Jane getting <laughs> past eight years old. Because here's an, an interesting thing also about the movie. So the movie says she, Annie leaves, Annie and Sarah Jane, they leave a place. And she says that she left because it was, it was hell for her child. So I'm assuming they were someplace down south. And down south, yeah, it was super bad for black people. But it was also going to be really bad for Sarah Jane because Sarah Jane looked so white. Mm -hmm. Because the way they cast Sarah Jane in this movie, she was white. So it wouldn't have been very easy for Sarah Jane because black, like, she was kept... I keep coming back to the problem of the casting because if Sarah Jane was in and around black people, she was, they would know that she was white. Like, it's not like they, (laughs) they wouldn't be like, oh yeah, somebody, there's like whiteness in her family. She's real light skinned or she's biracial or whatever. Like she's so white that she's white. So that like there would just be a ton of, just a ton of animosity towards her. Mm-hmm. And so Annie decides to go. She's obviously aware of that fact. So she leaves and goes to New York because I'm guessing it's a melting pot. But if she is self-aware enough to realize that her daughter is having problems down south and she's going to go up to the north then she already knows that her daughter is going to have these issues and probably trying to pass as white like the signs were all there Mm -hmm. so the movie since we don't see her point of view we don't know how much and what she was doing to kind of be like well you know (laughs) you know this is this is what the deal is and if you decide that you want to do this there's all these ramifications for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you never saw Sarah Jane with with um, consequences except for when Troy Donahue beat her up. Yeah. 
Um, so this was the oh, so and then on the Lana Turner side, this was the first movie that Lana Turner made since her daughter daughter Cheryl Crane, age fourteen, stabbed Lana Turner's boyfriend. This is in real life, people. Mm-hmm. Stabbed her boyfriend, Johnny Stampan. Nato, Johnny Stampanato, who yep. was part of Mickey Cohen's infamous gang. So her Not daughter yet. stabbed the guy, and it was ruled justifiable homicide. There's all these different theories and stories about what was going on, whether Johnny was abusing the daughter. They say that Johnny was beating on Lana Turner. So there's all these stories, and... The ensuing uh, scandal and stuff really drove a wedge between Lana Turner and her real life daughter. Mm-hmm. So Lana Turner brought that all that those emotions with her to the role, and they said that when she was um, like the funeral scene, that she just when Mahalia Jackson started seeing, she just started bawling and went to her trailer, and nobody could get her to stop crying. Nobody, and finally. The, her makeup woman came over and slapped her out of hysterics. <laughs> <laughs> like she went to work and she was fine. Because uh, she didn't want to get slapped again. No. And she took a pay cut. And this is hilarious. She, her pay cut. This is her pay cut money. 1959. $25,000 a week. Mm. She, that's what she got paid for this movie. Plus 50% of the profits. Her most successful movie. Yeah. She ended up making $2 million. $2 million, $1959. Yeah. Um, one film. I know. One film. So this is a remake. And there was, what is it, a 19, 1930-something movie? There's a 1934 movie. There's a 1934 movie. And there's a lot of changes. The, there's a major change in this movie is that in the 1934 movie, they have different names, but the character that is Annie and the character that is Lana, Lana Turner's character. So Lana Turner's character takes Annie's, it's like either a waffle or a pancake recipe. And that's how she becomes like big time and successful. And she oh. only gives Annie's character... 20%. So she kind of screws her over. Like she uses her talent and screws her over. Mm. And it didn't really go very well. So that's why in the 1959 version, they changed it so that Lana Turner's character gets successful on her own. She doesn't screw over her black friend. But in the previous version, the role of Sarah Jane, it's like Piola, because the names are different. But she's played by Freddie Washington and Freddie Washington. Now that's what I'm talking about. Freddie Washington, both her parents were biracial. So she had real fair skin. She had green eyes. She still had the wavy hair though. Mm -hmm. And so she played the role and she was really good in it. I mean, again, both her parents were biracial. So, you know, she was drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Because, I mean, that would be an interesting internet competition. Find the ugliest biracial kid. (laughs) Think about it, people. So both her parents were biracial. She was beautiful. 
So she played the role. And then they contacted her. And and after she played the role, she didn't really get any more parts because she was too light-skinned to ah. play black roles. And she was black, so she didn't get cast to play opposite uh, white guys. So ah. they came to her when they were doing the remake about playing the older part, because even though this was 1959, again, she had two biracial parents, so I'm sure she looked fantastic and could have pulled off the part. But this is what she said. And this pretty much sums up how I felt about the movie and how I sort of felt towards uh, Sarah Jane in particular. And, like, I understand where she's coming from, but... So she says, Freddie Washington, you see, I'm a mighty proud gal and I can't for the life of me find any valid reason why anyone should lie about their origin or anything else for that matter. Frankly, I do not ascribe to the stupid theory of white supremacy and try to hide the fact that I am a Negro for economic or any other reasons. If I would, if I do, I would be agreeing to be I would be agreeing to be a Negro makes me inferior and that I have swallowed the whole hog of all the propaganda dished out by all our fascist-minded white citizens. Freddie Washington! Way to go. I know. So she turned down the role because she was like, "Uh, I played the part once, but... I'm not going to do it again. And after she played the part, she had to go around like always telling people, I'm black. I was just playing a part. <laughs> like, that's not me. I'm not trying I'm to black, pass I'm black, or I'm anything. Black. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's... Like, I get it. Because I've been... There have been a few times in my life where <laughs> I'm like, these people or this person thinks I'm white. And it's the weirdest thing ever. (laughs) It is. And I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of at that point then that if you were going to decide that you were going to pass, that you would, you would just, (laughs) then you would just go into that lie. But I'm I'm a horrible liar. But I do get it because I, you know, at 1959, it was illegal for Sarah Jane to exist. Right. Well, it wasn't really illegal because they said that her father was right so light skinned, was so light skinned, but yet produced that bone straight hair. Oh, and then interesting enough, so the woman who played that Sandy Connor, Connor, yes, yes. Well, she, it wasn't, um, it wasn't that she couldn't get parts after that. Well, maybe that had something to do with it, but she ended up meeting this like German writer filmmaker guy named um, White, W-E-I-T-Z, I I think. And she kind of just left acting and and did the whole mom thing. And her two sons were the ones that wrote and directed American Pie. Whoa. And her mother was um, like a very famous Mexican actress. So that made me laugh when you said about, oh, she looked like she could be um related to John Gavin because John Gavin's real name is Juan Vincent Apoblasa Jr. Really? He was fluent in Spanish. 
He you was, couldn't have said that at the time, though. He ended up being an ambassador to Mexico. He was passing. Ex- yeah, He was exactly. Mexican and he was passing. So he wasn't, he didn't go by Juan Gavin. He no. went by John Gavin. Well, he had to. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have had the roles he had if he went. If he were a Mexican person, the only roles he would get would be in westerns down Mexico way. Right. So then, yeah. that's it. Wasn't my problem though that I had such I couldn't get over the casting because Hollywood, for as long as I've known, has always they casted people and been like based on how they look. Mm-hmm. John Gavin didn't change his appearance or anything. Mm-mm. If you look at him, you can kind of see like, oh, okay. And that's why I thought it was funny because what's her face is half Mexican too, and they're and that's and like I'm watching the movie, like they kind of look more like each other than anybody else in this film. Mm-hmm. But then you're asking me to suspend belief and see like what I'm seeing is not what I'm seeing. And so then I was wondering if it was like the opposite of what you were saying before. In that, I wonder if they had a really hard, like, they couldn't cast any biracial people to play Sarah Jane because they didn't want to be known as, because then everyone, it would just be so hard for them. They would be known as the girl who was passing, which was the same Mm -hmm. reason that Frida Washington didn't want Mm -hmm. to play the role again. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very, I was like, maybe they had to cast. Like maybe it wasn't Hollywood being nefarious and casting this quote ethnic person, but it's really a white person as someone that's part black. It was really just they had a hard time casting it. But then I'm like, really, there are so few roles in Hollywood. But then Hollywood back then, they really weren't acknowledging that there were biracial people. Yeah, that's true, but... Because it was it was illegal. When was Loving versus Virginia? 1968. See, so it was still illegal. Well, just because it's still illegal doesn't mean that it... I mean, Frida Washington. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, it, it still happened, but... Yeah. Hmm. But it was, it was just very, very... Very, very interesting. I'm like, hmm. Oh, and John Gavin died, like, just recently, on February 8th. Yeah. Oh, I had I no idea. I like John Gavin. I know you said he couldn't act, but I thought he was, I always, he was pretty. Oh, he that. was very pretty. He was a very pretty man. <clears throat> One time, a, a kindergartner told me that I couldn't be Adam's mother because I was white. A kindergarten kid. And then he said it was against the law for for Adam's daddy to be black and his mommy to be white. Well, I mean, the kindergartner was in Germany. I mean, in Virginia. <laughs> or Germany. No, that was Germany. Oh, it was Germany? Well, yeah. it was Germany. Wait, he was said, this- you can't be his mother because you're white and he's black. And I said, honey, if you think he's black, you should see his daddy. <laughs> But that's weird because in the army it's just like throw a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. which he probably would have liked to have done. <laughs> probably. Yeah. 
So that's that's the imitation game. Yeah. Did, so so that means that not a tear was shed at, at Annie's funeral. Well, I mean, Mahalia Jackson singing. Oh, uh, you know, I'm like, I did. I actually a tear didn't drop. My eyes did get misty. Mine got misty. Mine got misty, but it it didn't. It just like it. I could just tell that this there's a story here to be told, and it could be told in a better way. Yeah, because there there is that story. I just I don't know. I couldn't get past. <laughs> I just couldn't get past the casting to really get in there. Nor was it told from her point of view. So all I'm left was just like, yeah, this woman allegedly from the movie that we are presented with and not my version of a film gave birth to this child and the child didn't want like wanted to to go and chose what she thought is the easiest life and that happened there are Mm -hmm. stories of it and Mm -hmm. so that is heartbreaking but as far as the movie i just couldn't get over the casting (laughs) And there are people who would say, well, you know, people press their hair and did chemicals to straighten their hair. And that's that's true. The little girl at eight years old probably wouldn't have. And she had really, really straight hair. She had really straight hair. And the way to those people, I would say I'm well aware of pressing hair. And I do have I have very fine textured hair. So I know I know what pressed hair looks like, how it moves. Like it looks yes. straight, but it doesn't move like that hair. That's right. not pressed hair. Right. And there would people be people who would be like, why are you so caught up on it? Is you're just being caught up on like the looks of it and stuff. Like, oh, you're just you're saying that she looks white and you can't get over it because you can't see past that. I'm sure that's problematic on some area. But then to them, I say, look at John Gavin. He's not presented to me as being Mexican. He changed his name. He's passing. He's passing in a movie about passing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was it was uh, an interesting movie. And um, I would love to see your version. (laughs) Oh, my version would never get made. Because it would be all over the place. <laughs> psychological thriller. A psychological thriller of, I stole you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Aaron, it's time. It is my turn. So, for our next installment, we are going to watch the classic 1934 comedy starring Claudette Colbert. Clark Gable. I think it's a Frank Capra joint. It happened, happened one night. One night. Yay, it's time for a comedy. I, I wanted something lighter. I I didn't yeah. I didn't want to see this this woman. Uh, I'm white. I'm like, I know you are. 
okay, we're, we're going to have to pay for a couple sessions of Aaron's therapy. I don't need therapy. I'm with <laughs> Freddie Jackson. I'm like, you are being very racist right now and you're buying into the whole stereotype. You're selling out your entire race just so you could get ahead. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to go fine for you. Karma's a bitch. Until that baby's born. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> It's going to come back somewhere. <clears throat> yeah. Guess what? You're going to fast forward 60 years and they're going to have a little thing called 23andMe and it's going to be all over. <laughs> MyAncestry.com. It's going to be all over everywhere. All the Everyone's dirty secrets are coming out. Everyone's dirty, dirty little secrets are coming out because it's in the DNA and the DNA don't lie. The DNA don't lie. Yeah, we have to get Adam to take one of those. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, listeners. There was, that made there it no- sound like he's not part of the family. <laughs> that made it what? sound real suspicious. No, because because you said that that it's it's better if a male does it. That's what Just- I had heard from my mechanic. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so glad it was reliable. So, I don't know. <laughs> No, he came out of me. I know, I know. (laughs) I know, but it's just funny. Ooh, we got to see what his says. (laughs) Because, because I know there's so, there's a lot on your father's side that we don't know. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to be like, oh my God, I'm white. (laughs) (laughs) What? Then we're going to have to redo this whole movie. (laughs) I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to be like. Sarah Jane is correct, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, it happened one night next week. There was no, there were no corkscrews, and there was no drunkenness in this movie to remind me of some of my friends. No, there wasn't. Okay, listeners. Bye bye.